Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, here's an interesting idea, I think. If today would be the day that we would pass away, and that we would be in heaven this afternoon, we would be able to interact with, speak with all kinds of people. Parents, grandparents, people we knew from, from church or from the neighborhood, classmates maybe who've passed away in Christ. But we wouldn't be restricted to just people who interacted with our generation. We could talk to people who lived a thousand years ago. We could talk to people Old Testament. We might be able to, assuming that they were saved, and I kind of assume they are, we might be able to talk to Adam and Eve. What would I say if I spoke to Adam and Eve? Hmm. Well, I have to assume, being in heaven, that I would be renewed. So the urge to box their ears probably would have been gone by then. But I would have a few questions. Like, why? And what did you really think that you were going to get? Did you think it was just a little bit of knowledge? Were you that green, really? I mean, when we read the story in Genesis, you got to realize you're reading a, a story that is not got a whole lot of detail to it for a very detailed situation. So Adam and Eve do come off as a bunch of naive fools all the way. They, they, are, they just don't know what's going on. And it seems when they even take the tree of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil that they have a very simplified idea of what's going to happen. But I wonder, I wonder if the account does them justice, or they understood a whole lot more, and it was a whole lot darker than what it seems like. That they thought God wasn't doing a great job. That they believed that they could be better at being God. Was that it? Is that what they thought? Because that's what Satan essentially thought. Satan thought he could be God. And really, when you step back and think about it, a human being or a cherubim, thinking that they could be God, both are just utterly ridiculous ideas. And yet, somehow in the midst of their freedom, they conceived of such a dumb idea. And now... Now we live with it all. And what does it mean to live with it? It means that God kind of gives our species what we asked for. He gives us space. He doesn't control every situation. And when the problems come up, it's like, here you go. Fix it. If you want to be God. And there's a whole lot of things we found out. We can't fix. We can barely influence them. And so we live with the curse. And the brutal reality of this decision. And we wonder. How come, how come a decision that 
two noobs, I don't know how long ago made, has to affect me so profoundly. But yet that is how God has decided it. He would not, he would not rewrite what was written into their DNA and now lives in me. And how do I know that given the same circumstances that I wouldn't do the same thing? Now, as it first presented, the curse seemed like sort of more of an annoying thing than something that was really troubling. It seemed more like the, the, the things that I griped about this morning as we started, rather than the things that we read in the news, right? But it gets as bad as the things we read in the news, and even worse than that. Evil has some very powerful things that it can do, and there are times, and I've heard people say it, I've, I've heard people say it who don't even believe that God exists. Why doesn't God fix these things, right? Isaiah lived at a time like that. I mean, he's, he lived in a Jewish nation that was only pseudo-worshippers of the real God, and they were pagans in every way, and they were corrupt in every way, and the culture had just really gotten to be ugly. So Isaiah cries out, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. You know, come on down. Show people that you're real. Show people that you have power. Show them that there's a judgment for evil. Stop this mess. And I think we can read that part and say, I completely relate. Please fix this. Maybe not fully appreciating what the curse means and what sinful nature means. People thought that too when Jesus was around. Now, today for our our gospel lesson, there was two choices for the beginning of Advent. And normally I pick the other one because the one we read today so much seems like it fits with Palm Sunday. Let's keep it on Palm Sunday, right? But as the people came in, or as Jesus came in, and as the people cried out, they cried, you know, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Hosanna essentially means save us. But I wonder if you could go back, like in heaven today, if they're there, and ask them, when you said Hosanna, what exactly were you meaning? Save us from what? The Romans, probably, right? That's what they thought. That's what they thought a Messiah was. Definitely his disciples thought that. They thought that right up to the very end. Even after he rose from the dead, they asked, are you now going to reestablish the king? They, they still hadn't shaken the idea. So it was very much a, a thought that, hey, we want God to reign 
and we want God to reign on earth, and we want God to reign right now. Well, where did they get such an idea? There are passages in Isaiah that sort of sound like that. And it is our understanding as a church anyway that those passages are referring to either um, the the very end, new, the new earth, or how God might rule in our heart. We're kind of going with what Jesus said when he said to Pontius Pilate, my kingdom is not for this earth. But let's just for a hypothetical moment imagine that there is sort of a messianic era that's a separate era right now. Let's imagine that God would come and kick Satan and his kingdom off the planet. How different would the world be? I mean, we'd still have sinful nature, right? And we'd still be living under the curse, but we wouldn't have Satan. That's got to improve it, probably significantly. What if God would come down, establish a base, and keep every nation from going to war? So when people were going to do something, God himself would come and squash it before it ever got started. There would be no Hamas attack. There would be no retaliatory attack. There would be no Russian invasion of Ukraine. There would be no retaliatory fighting by Ukraine. There would be no civil wars through Africa or Middle East. None of it. Sound pretty good so far? What if God worked to make the economics of this world much more just across the board? That everybody would be fairly prosperous? What if God came and insisted on justice in every case. We wouldn't need a jury. We wouldn't need a court system. God would deal with it, and he would deal with it in truth. What if knowledge of God became absolutely pure? All of Christianity would be united, and Christianity would be the predominant religion on the earth. Sound good? How many people would balk at that list right there? They wouldn't like it. They wouldn't like it because they couldn't take advantage of people. They wouldn't like it because they couldn't exercise power. They would feel like God's taking away some of their freedom in some sort of corrupt way. And I wonder, even though we would say, come Lord Jesus, do that if that's what you want to do, in some small way, we would resist it. That being sinful flesh, we're not just quite ready for God to rule us, even though routinely we pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, and that's what that means. God come, rule me. Our honest answer is, well, come down here and do what I want. I have an agenda, you see, and I would love for you to facilitate the agenda. But in the end, decision-making, that I would like to retain for myself. And though we say, maybe I wouldn't want to do that, 
I think we might. Even Isaiah kind of had a reckoning. You know, he starts off this reading just absolutely fiery about God coming down and, and fixing everything. And then he sort of hits the skids because he, he's getting some reflection, and I'm sure it's coming from God, that says, you know what, Isaiah, you're not exactly pure as a driven snow yourself. And so he says, you know, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And it, it went from you people to us very quickly. And in the end, all he could say is, you're the potter. We're the clay. You're going to do what you want. You have every right to do what you want. I can't question your wisdom and say, this would be smarter or better. I can't take your place and say, you know, step aside, God. I know what the right answer is. We're just clay. And we'll be clay until at least this clay is laid down back where it came from. God's reign will come. That's the good news. Jesus Christ's death on the cross even makes it true that God's reign comes to us sooner rather than later. We may fight it a certain degree, but there's growth that can be had. Ways that we move our prayers from, here's what I want, to what do you want? Ways that we can change uh, our life from just pursuing the things that come naturally and worldly to us to pursuing the things of God. But it will ultimately come in a way where all will be changed, at least all who will be participating in it. And because of the grace of Christ, Satan will be gone and wars will be gone and struggles will be gone and it won't be boring It'll be great. And that's been God's plan from the beginning. And he will bring it to completion when he wants to. But let us be sure that we welcome him even now to the smallest aspects of our life, to letting God be God. And may Jesus show us where we're not. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen.